2009 to summer 2012. Yeah. yeah. Doing... I was the developer who did the programming work for the sales department. I don't, uh, I don't know what that means. Exactly. Uh, I was the, the person on the tech team. Okay. I was the tech team liaison I see. to sales. I did that job at the Washington Post website, and then I did it at the Huffington Post website. There's very particular needs um, that sales has that it, it really pays to immerse yourself. You can kind of turn into a specialist, computer programming specialist, yeah. just serving the needs of um, technical needs of sales departments. Um, so I worked on the tech team, but I spent 70% of my day, 80% of my day talking to people in the sales department. Well, did you, so, I mean, did, did you study computer science? No, but I am 40 and I came of age at the time when the really rudimentary home computers were coming up. And my dad had a like a lower middle class childhood fixing cars, so he was a tinkerer. Mm-hmm. So I grew up on his knee because it was very much like, well, this looks like the new, new, new tech. Let's this play is the with future. it. Yeah. Let's play with this. This looks like fun. You know, I mean, yeah. it was kind of like just popping the hood and messing with cars a little bit. So I sat on his knee, and then I got really into it. And I would learn how to program. I had a Commodore 64. And then I, then I, I got away from computers like, you know, puberty. Mm-hmm. You know, like, this isn't going to help me. Yeah, that'll... Um, <laughs> you, either, you either... That's the, the point when you either turn away from it or, or more double, towards or it. Or you double yeah, down. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I turned away from it. Um, and, then, and then after college, I was doing desktop publishing when the plan started to make a little extra money, like mm. money I wouldn't have made as a dishwasher. Um, I, well, I made the same money I would make as a dishwasher, but I only had to work twice as many hours. Yeah, But this, you're, you're already an album or two in at this point? No. Yeah. Well, no, I mean before. Yeah. It was just like I needed a gig and I knew computers. My parents ran a newsletter business, so I knew, I knew like layout stuff. You know, And D.C. has no... D, Washington, D.C. has no uh, shortage of simple documents to format <laughs> it's a very document town sure lots of documents in that town so um then the next thing you knew the web came around and when the web showed up in the mid 90s it seemed logical that the nerdiest desktop the nerdiest graphic artist should work on it it was seen as a design realm like you hmm. design the website and there was programming of course yeah um but i was actually at the consumer electronics society at that point, doing desktop publishing, and they're like, "What do you know about this stuff?" And I kind of got into it. I was like, "Oh, this is easy." So that led me back towards programming, but not until like my mid twenties. Oh. There was there was like a 10, 12 year span where I, I really wasn't programming computers. But but you're uh, you know I, I mean you were doing I assume you were doing the band full time for a while there, right? Yeah, about five years. For five years. Yeah. And there was like, there was, at that point, there was programming needs for like the band website. Okay. Like me and the drummer, uh, Joe Easley, would would kind of tag team on. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but And you're kind of keeping this on the side and, you know, it's something to potentially go back to, should you? Yeah, yeah. Although, between 1998 and 2003, web programming really grew up, changed by leaps and bounds. When I got yeah. back into it, I was like, I don't. I don't understand any of this. This is crazy. Yeah, I mean that's totally crazy. That's like prime time right there for the yeah, explosion of the web. Yeah. So, so how do you how do you get back into it? Um, you 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 desperately crawl. <laughs> um, don't make a lot of money. Um, freelance. Freelance, beg, borrow, steal, temp. Yeah, and I guess that that phase took about nine or ten months. Um, and then I landed to get at the Washington Post. So, so this is, I mean, this is like, band breaks up. You know, this is what I, this is what I'm doing now. Or did 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 it? Did you kind of ease into that? No, I wanted to continue playing music, but that didn't really work out, and I was broke. Yeah, so I had to go get a job. Did the did the band still exist at that point? No. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Did and 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 getting a job does that does that kill your ability to to make music? No. 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 That'd be that'd be a weird. I mean, I, I mean, I it's a, it's happened. I had a job when I wrote the city. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I just don't. I think inspiration isn't really 
I think it can help to kind of be in the real world. Yeah. You know, you don't want to end up like, um, you don't want to end up some crazy estate out in the middle of nowhere with a herd of chimpanzees and, yeah. uh, and uh, one of a kind private helicopter you fly mm. around and then try to think of what you're going to write a song about. I, I would have a tough time in that space. Um, yeah. I, I react well to like real life. But but I guess like and, and that's me. Yeah, and I've and, never had that helicopter, the monkeys. And there might be. I mean, you know, I, I, granted, I've not had a chance to listen to the. I do have a helicopter piloted <laughs> have, by a monkey. Okay, um, and it gets me here, but not apes. Yeah, I mean, with the R closed, if you need a ride, <laughs> Bubbles can get you home. Yeah, Bubbles will get you. How many you people go. has Bubbles killed? I think is the. <laughs> what's his track record? <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, those who deserve to get home one piece got home one piece. That's sure. all I'll say about okay. it. Yeah. Yeah. Treat them right. Yeah. Yeah. You respect Bubbles. <laughs> Bubbles respects you. So, so like, so like, I'm thinking of like, like real world experiences, and and I don't know how much of this is on the new album because you know it's, I've listened to it a couple of times on NPR, so I can't claim to be yeah. an expert on the lyrical content. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly there's me neither. <laughs> Certainly, there's like certainly there's computers in the name, and I think the first line is about computers. Yeah, computers a, comes up in a sense. Um, I'm, I mean, is that the when you're talking about getting 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 you know real world insight? How much does sitting in front of a computer for you know eight to ten hours That's a day? True. Who, who am I kidding? <laughs> no, but does it? I mean, does it? Is that? Uh, well, I mean, I I have a few more hours that I do get up from the computer yeah. and like. I go to the gate sometimes. I have okay. a beer. Yeah. I talk to the people. Yeah. Me and Bubbles go up. <laughs> Bubbles drinks. Bubbles can hold Bubbles liquor. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, that's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, you know, then, then we start getting into questions of what is reality, and it's very sure. early in the interview. <laughs> no, I mean, fuck un- Uncanny Valley, right? What right, is, where, right. Does, where does that where does that come into play? Um, uh, the, na- the, the phrase, which is a science phrase. Yeah came up and it was kind of middle of the pack there was some enthusiasm not a lot and then I was doing a demo of the album cover and I used it and I misspelled it and I was like that's it <laughs> that's the album cover I love that I, I liked it before now I love it yeah and then I went on a crazy war path and um, the I think my bandmates identified um, a I think the bandmates identified that, that, that I really really had it in my bonnet. <laughs> like, there's and, no talking you down at and, this point. And, and looked over all the issues they had to bring up with me and made a strategic decision not to really, you know, go to, go at it too hard with me on that one. I just really like it because it sounds like a town from Virginia. It's both a high-tech phrase and it also sounds like a town in southwest Virginia or yeah. in the Appalachians. It's got a very kind of like, with that E, it's got like kind of an, like a... Um, uh, so like 18th century Scots Irish, ye olde. Yeah, a little bit like uh, of the of the Mid Atlantic Southeast yeah. style, which is very like English Scotch Irishers. All these names, yeah. especially West Virginia, has names like that. So once I saw it, once that happened, it literally was like a misplaced finger, and my whole world changed. This didn't even occur to me until right now, but that's interesting. When you take the two parts of that phrase, uncanny and valley, there's nothing inherently techy about either of them, right? I mean... No. So, but, but taken together. No, I mean, it's not like... Um, it's not like hypertext mark, markup language. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's got... Um, uh, it, it's a fairly poetic phrase um well bef- before it was misspelled i didn't it was a little too like referential mm. um and then um how so well then it was just uncanny valley like oh yeah, yeah that's a science fiction thing where like if it looks too much like a person then people vomit you know but is it like but is it is it like it's referential to the, the the content was it too on the nose is that the problem no i don't think it's really related to the content yeah uh, um uh, I think it's related, like the mix of kind of not down home. I don't know if that's a word for us, but 
like on unpretentious and but then also high tech. Yeah, uh, I think is very dismemberment plan. Hmm. Um, so, but I don't know about like a connection to the lyrics. Yeah. Like, um, it's like it's almost like a like a like a prairie home companion sketch or something, right? Like the uncanny valley. Yeah. Oh, here we go into the uncanny valley. Yeah. Wow. I didn't think about that. <laughs> let, let, I'm I'm curious about the like the when you say like middle of the pack. I'm gonna talk like Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Kensington's. Mrs. Kensington. I'm a fan. Yeah. My family's from Minnesota. So. Oh yeah. 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 Um, Some people, they don't do that. I yeah, they don't do that. Prairie Home Companion. It's, but I, 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 I fuck with Prairie Home Companion. I get, like, I get it. You know what I mean? Like, right. I get right, it. I understand right. it. But yeah, I that's all I can ask from you. That's, I, I don't, I, I don't I find that. myself. Right. And I've got a, I've got a soft spot for. Crazy. Yeah, it's in there. It's in there somewhere. I got a soft spot for, for, for Minnesota. Spencer. It's great. This is yeah. the second interview. Minnesota's come up. I, yeah. I love Minnesota. I have so much family up there. Twin Cities is a great music city. Yeah. Um. They, it's a truly unique culture. Really, really, they are in the middle of nowhere. They're the uncanny valley. They are... <laughs> think about that for think about that for a minute, right? Yeah. Bob Dylan. Yeah. Uh, Bob Mould. Oh, you got a real realistic look yeah. in there, didn't you? Yeah. You're a regular Picasso. Oh wait, Michelle Bachman. <laughs> Michelle Bachman is the uncanny valley. <laughs> Not even touching that. Something on camp. Bob Bob Mould just does it. Yeah. Bob Mould's real. There's yeah, but like Bob Mould. You know, well, there isn't something uncanny, but but he's also he's you know, not the uncanny valley. He's also a a, a a a you know big bear who loves wrestling. You know, he's like his passion is like <laughs> his professional wrestling now. You know, he's right. He's just a strange mix of things, I guess. Right. Yeah. Do you think he's ever been on South Park? He's ever been on. Wouldn't South he, Park? Wouldn't it be great if he had a guest appearance uh, in South Park or The Simpsons? I just don't think that enough people know who Bob Mould is. That well, thing. that's why he would actually play oh, play a character. He would play sure. he would play like Hoover Dam or yeah. He would like sing yeah. You know, um, a, a sugar song to yeah. Homer. I don't think that. I mean, I feel like that he would could sing radar, see a little light happened. to Homer. Yeah, there's got to be a yeah. Husker do fan. They probably yeah. They, I mean, every everyone that writes for everyone that writes for The Simpsons must be a huge Husker do fan. You think? Yeah, I bet Matt Groening went to go see him like forty-seven times. <laughs> that's probably right. true. Right. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> really, yeah, really far. Away. Oh, so, 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 you know, you said it's you said it's kind of like mid mid pack names, and I'm I'm just I'm like literally picturing. I don't know. Now it's a spreadsheet because we were, we were talking about about that before. I'm, I'm I'm picturing like your your Excel style sheet of like <laughs> fifteen names. How far off 15. is that? 50 na- 50 yeah, names? Oh, fifty names. Yeah. Fifty names. Uh, I think we threw uh, maybe like thirty. It wasn't yeah. that bad? It wasn't epic. It wasn't like one hundred and seventy nine or four thousand. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like still. That. A, I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, I I don't you know I don't how how do you name an album I don't I have no idea how you because because you know the easy thing is you pick a song you pick a lyric from a song yeah. boom you're done um, I've named all the records it's kind of like lyricist privilege yeah um, although it sounds like they there, there was a little fight on this one but they knew you were they knew you were gonna pick it yeah there's a little like usually it's kind of like when I when I lock in yeah. Um, the, yeah, they better get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> but it takes me it takes me a while to lock in. Sometimes, I mean, Joe threw out the phrase. I think it was Joe threw out the phrase on Candy Valley. So yeah. it was definitely like a back and forth about it. Um, I don't know. Uh, change came because I had a picture. Um, Emergency and I, I very distinctly remember standing at the Black Cat in 1998, watching Shudder to Think, and literally the words Emergency and I popped into yeah. my head. And I was like, done. Um... I don't remember any kind of eureka moment for the first two. The first one was probably just because I was doing the album art and I thought it'd be funny. It's such a like twenty-one-year-old first record yeah. thing to do, you know. Punctuation. Um, yeah. Although now with Coldplay and MIA, all those celebrities had that that trend with you know like the yeah. the hieroglyphic album titles, the runes. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, maybe chick, 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 right? Yeah. So maybe we were ahead of our time. How was Kanye's? first kid not not like an asterisk or something like, you know i mean it's it's amazing they, they went so far as to actually like 
pick a full name for that. Right, channel. right. No, it's, even if it was a pun. It's true. Is that a pun? Northwest. But is it a pun or is well, it just a phrase? Yeah, I guess that's true. I'm never. I'm not good at what's a pun and what's a play on. Words. I guess. I mean, it's a it's a play on. Words. I don't know what's wrong with South by South. Yeah. I mean, that's much better for him. Well, it would have to be. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Southby. Actually, say South. It could look like Southby. Yeah. Southby West. That's actually kind of a cool name, right? That's a. And well, then, I mean, and, I'm sure they're not done breeding. Right, well, if you know them, I don't. If you're so sure about their breeding patterns, you you, you could talk to them. Sorry. So so like, you know when when the the, the first album and God what how long? Forty seven years. Forty seven years. First album in forty seven years. First record since nineteen fifty one. Nineteen fifty one. Yeah. Um, Korea War was. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you, you had all that. Uh, the rock music came. Yeah, <laughs> after that, Bill Haley, sure, Mo, you know, Motown and hip hop and disco yeah. and punk. Um, town. So all that stuff happens in between. I mean, like, how are, are you when, when you're when you're picking the, the name? When you're picking what tracks go on it? When you're like, are, are you are you are you are you overthinking everything because it's been so no, long? I really don't give a fuck. You don't how give long a fuck. You don't give a fuck I, how long yeah, it's been. Yeah, I, I really don't give a fuck how long it's been. I, I really don't. I, I I don't. It's just kind of like here's the fifth. <laughs> I, I um. Uh, I realize it makes it exciting. That's yeah. the first record in twelve years for other people, and and I accept that it doesn't for me. I don't know. It's got to be exciting, like, you know, working on it. It's exciting to put a, a record out. Yeah. yeah. I'm really proud of the record. I'm really excited to put it out. But I don't really... I mean, life is so short. You're just around for like 75 years and you die. So, you know, it, especially as you get older, it all just seems like an eternal now. I, I, I really wasn't like, it's been so long. Yeah. You know. Um, Four men. Um... <laughs> Should have called it in a world. In a world, <laughs> twelve years. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't care how long it's been. It, it just, it feels like now we're putting out the next dismemberment. Do you, you just have like a kind of like a fuck it moment? Like, you, you, no, you know, I we're never. Gonna die. We're gonna die at some point. Let's put out another record. No, it wasn't even. No, we we started working on a record because we started jamming and we started getting yeah. really good. Was that based on the reunion shows? Well, yeah, I mean, it was happening. That was why we were getting together. Yeah, and increasingly, for the Bowery shows. Yeah, and increasingly we were having a hard time focusing on rehearsing old songs because we'd play little licks and loops, none of which really turned into a... I don't think any of the very early licks and loops. Now, there was a good album title. That's a great or like B-sides or something. Licks, licks, and, licks and loops. loops. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. well, Stereolab had dots and loops. Oh. Um, licks and picks. <laughs> Show us your licks. <laughs> Show us your mouth. Wow. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, um, the, what was I saying? Uh, I'm sorry. I got we had our oh, housewarming party uh, last night. The, yeah, your what? Super hungover. What party last night? Housewarming party. Oh, I, this I, is this is new. Yeah, about like six or seven months. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Why? Why did it take six or seven months to do a housewarming party? I just we just didn't get around to it. It's just oh, well, yeah. you know, we like. We we're finally at like stage one of like you know kind of making it look like we want it to look like this is like base it's camp. It's very nice. Oh, thank you. The, this little area that you can see right here is the farthest along. We didn't even yeah. like paint or anything. We just kind of like dragged our stuff in the door, uh, you know, closed the door. I just noticed that. That's the Chuck Brown poster. That is really cool. He's the man. Yeah. He's, he's he's the boss. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I pulled Rest that. Rest in peace. I pulled that off of a wall in 1991 when I was working construction. I just. You know, I mean, they were everywhere. I mean, I mean, that's one of yeah. You know, two hundred and seventy. Wait, when you were working shop. construction? Yeah, summer after summer after freshman year in college, I worked. Oh, okay. Or construction. Summer job. Yeah, two cons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I two summers I worked construction. Yeah. Um. What? we I mean, uh, did you have a family area? member in the racket or no? Did, okay. No, I was. I was like a temp. Construction temp. Construction? Like, yeah. But like, you know, like lifting, lifting heavy. Yeah, you have to like carry drywall around, yeah. like super unskilled, super unskilled yeah. work. Um, like unskilled is not the word for it. Um, or you get a gig for the government and you'd have to do things like stand out in the middle of the road with the stop and slow sign. Yeah. And I had to do that 
this incredibly hot summer, I think the summer of 92, was brutal. We actually got sent home because the OSHA rule is something like, it's like if it's above 102, yeah. I think. You Jesus. can't do an outside construction yeah. job. And it did that a couple of days. But I would be out there on the black asphalt in down there outside of Fredericksburg in Virginia holding that sign. Um, yeah, it, it was special. <laughs> uh so um, yeah, so I'm I'm really hungover. I get I get really drunk at my own parties. You looked tired. I didn't want to say anything. Yeah. It's a little late to look as tired as you look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm super hungover. Yeah. Um, so if I just stop talking at certain points sure. or lose the topic, please mm-hmm. just you know gen- gingerly lead yeah. me back to the path. Have you been in Have you been in Park Slope for a while? Or um, it... I've lived in a couple of neighborhoods in New York City. Park yeah. Slope was the first neighborhood I moved in. I lived in Clinton Hill. I lived in Bed Stuy, and then moved back to Park Slope. Okay, yeah, I was in. I think I was in most of those places. Not Park Slope. I was in the, the less nice of the places that you mentioned. I was in kind of off of off of Clinton Hill. Off uh, of, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I love uh, Clinton Hill, Myrtle, Myrtle Avenue. Yeah, uh, yeah. We we uh, we looked at places in Clinton Hill. I love that neighborhood. I love. My year in that neighborhood was great, like getting breakfast at Choice Market. Uh, yeah, we were in very different parts of Clinton <laughs> Well, I was at Grand and Green, so I wasn't too far away from, Yeah, like, you know, you go a couple blocks down. And, yeah, I was at Clawson, Clawson yeah. and Myrtle. Which, that area is blowing up, though. It is now. You know, it I did the... It is blowing up. I, uh, I, I was dating a girl off the other end of the G train, and, like, I'd, one day I just decided to get off and walked around, and it's just, it, I felt weird about it. Yeah. Yeah, you can feel Fort Greene spreading eastward. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's one of the few. Like it's one of it's one of the few really kind of like tangible moments that I had where I really um, just had like a real sense of nostalgia for living super poor in New York when I first got here, which right. which I didn't feel great about, you know, because I know I knew well, how, I knew how life. miserable was I was at the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe you were miserable, but it's also simple life and keeps you sharp. Scared, yeah, thin, <laughs> thin, scared and th- scared, sharp and thin. Right. What uh, what things what, always have come from that. What uh, what brought you to New York? Uh, relationship. Okay, but then that ended, and I really liked it here, so yeah. I didn't go back to DC. Yeah, and and you just started. You just started with the um, what what, what year? What year was that roughly? Two thousand eight was when. I moved oh, okay, there. so that's still that's that's way post. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. That was four and a half years ago. It's crazy to think about. How, mu- how much music have you been playing out here? Quite a bit. Um, I have a band called The Burleys, uh, which is a pretty regular thing. Um, I had a project with the drummer of The Forms called Time Travel, which has some really great tracks that I need to finish the singing on because mm. it was really cool. But it's been asleep for like a year and a half now. Both he and I have had different projects going on. Yeah. And then I sing in the church choir. I've got people like, there's someone before she moves I get together with and do like Hank Williams covers, you know. I'm, I'm curious know, about. I'm, drink a lot of beer. I'm curious about the church choir thing. What is that? Oh, yeah. What does that entail? Singing. Yeah. I mean, are you a church goer or is that just a way to sing? Um, I mean, I'm not really like, I, I feel like that, I feel like discussing the religious aspect, the fact that it happens at the church, the fact that it's a religious right, yeah. opens a lot of topics I'm not very comfortable with because I neither want to overplay my hand about my own spirituality nor sure. offend anyone who takes your spirituality seriously. Well, let me let me let me let me put it this way and tell me if this is not a better way to put it. But what? But I mean, how did you start singing in the church choir? Well, actually, that I, I was dating an opera singer, and okay. uh, I was kind of eager for some new musical challenges and. Um, she was like, wow, you're tenor. They always need a tenor, even if you kind of can't read music at all. So I was like, oh. So I started tagging along, and I really liked it. Um, you learn so much about music. I liked the mentality is so different in rock and roll in so many ways. It's pretty awesome, hmm. um, at least indie rock. Um, uh, I love the robes. I like the getting dressed up. Um, Trinity, where I sing here, is a wonderful, wonderful community. Um, very thoughtful, uh, very thoughtful, super, I mean, it's Episcopalian, mm-hmm. 
so they're already nice, and then then they take it much <laughs> farther than that. So it's a it's a beautiful, beautiful community, um, and the 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 choir is a very eccentric. Choirs are always very eccentric communities, and this one's a very warm, very eccentric community. I'm actually quite bitter that this fall, at least, I probably won't get out to choir much to sing because uh, of plan yeah. commitments. But hopefully, in the spring, hopefully, there'll be some more holes in the schedule, and I can make it out more yeah i mean that, you know that's a bitter it's a pretty good trade-off right you get to go play rock and roll on the road kind of i mean like the choir i have to do a show with a pencil you don't have to like so there's too much work involved in this you know, like, pack up gear yeah. and like like you just go with a pencil and like the the musical director is like on you know in rock and roll it's always like well how did that feel what do you think about that and in choir it's like what is the most important word in this line yeah, believe yes. You need to sing the word because that's most important. Sing it like this. Yeah, like it's very, it's very ironic that I think a lot of people think like, oh, that must be a very kind of like spiritual enterprise. And the musical instruction is extremely empirical and on it and do this because we need to get the words out. You're not just letting the spirit fill you. No, no, it's nothing like that. It's a, <laughs> it's a discipline. It's very, it's very, very disciplined. Yeah. And then in the rock and roll thing, you know, it's much spacier and. No one's exactly sure why they're doing it. Um, so, yeah, that's an interesting contrast. But, um, you know, the number one thing is just the music's beautiful. I learned so much about the nuts and bolts of music being inside, you know, those musical pieces. Hmm. And that's very satisfying. Has, has it has it affected your, your performing? I think so. I think more actually guitar playing huh. than singing. I mean, I'm still, you know, old old talky Trav yeah. pretty much uh, um, but I did study a lot of the pieces we sang and I would tra- I would transpose them into guitar pieces mm-hmm. like the arrangement of the melodies because yeah. I wanted more melody in my guitar playing and it really taught me a lot about constructing guitar parts hmm. that um, aren't just bar chords or single note lines but are actually it actually made me understand where a lot of soul guitar comes from because it comes from gospel accompaniment. And I could see how those gospel accompaniments were actually quite possibly derived from vocal arrangements of, you know, hymns and stuff like that, which is, you know, four voices going across, yeah. like sometimes out of time, sometimes in time with each other and forming partial chords. Music nerd! <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that probably, it probably gets into my guitar playing and then just my overall awareness of music yeah and maybe also like you know those songs like they exist for a reason they exist for everyone to sing together and Hmm. as someone who's written a lot of very diaristic songs that was one to grow on that was a teachable moment you want you want you want more sing-alongs on the new record (laughs) yeah more come by yeah yeah well i mean i i don't know what that you know it's a little more i mean you know it's it it's it's mellower than some of your stuff for sure is that yeah, everyone's saying that. Um, <laughs> you don't get that. Um, well, it depends on what you what you think your like hallmarks of mellow are. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, it is. I mean, uh, you know, we're the, we're the uncompromising hardcore band that brought you such songs as Ellen and Ben. Mm-hmm. So Spider in the Snow. Um, <laughs> that's, po- that's post hardcore, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, um, uh, I, I think it. I think it breathes more. Yeah, there was a hyperventilating quality. Yeah. is that necessarily musical energy? I don't know, uh, but it's definitely hyperventilating. We definitely hyperventilate less than we used to. I'll, I'll take that. Um, if hyperventilating equals not mellow, <laughs> I guess we're mellow. <laughs> But I think a lot of songs have, on the new record have enormous musical energy. Yeah. I just don't think they do this. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, wonder, I wonder if that comes out of like not being on the road all the time. Like, you know, it seems like if anything is making you do that, it's probably performing yeah, entre- for Yeah, entrepreneurial anxiety. <laughs> uh, that could be. That could be. You're like, we got to make the songs with rocks. And you yeah. rock so hard that you forget to write a song. And that's how we did it in the 90s. Some bands couldn't write a song to save their lives. You just was, rocked hard for yeah, 10 tracks. And... Yeah, it was just like alcoholic vaudeville. Yeah. Like you went and you saw the crazy show and they did crazy yeah. things. They took off their pants and they made this crazy din that was very satisfying. You bought the CD and it sat in the back of your car and you never listened to it once. 
<laughs> I bought a lot of CDs like that. But you just bought you bought the CD almost as like a tip for a great show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the one thing when I hear young bands like, man, they just put their records together so well. <laughs> I mean, so I hear some things from when I when I was in my early twenties and my peers' bands and. <laughs> It just all sound terrible. Yeah, <laughs> it just all sound miserable. And younger bands are are much cannier record makers, much much cannier arrangers. You know, so um, they, they, I mean, they've got they've got better tools now too, right? They have better tools. I think they're also more aware of like none of us wrote a song. Like there was no YouTube to put your song on. Mm. You know, there's no, you couldn't, there was nowhere to sound good. So why sound good? It's, it's less like, it's less necessarily ethereal if it can just live on YouTube immediately. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, yes, exactly. Like, it's more like this is going to be something that's going to be real. Yeah. Like, the, the pathway to reality, the pathway to reality up until a certain point was at the club. That's that interesting. So, and reality. this, like, even if you don't ever record it, it can still live on the internet forever. Right? I mean, even if you don't. That's do true. a studio version That's of it. That's true. You could be a live version of it. Yeah, yeah, and and that gets judged pretty harshly. Like, yeah, for sure. This new song sounds terrible. I was like, yeah, it was a new song. We didn't know how to play it. <laughs> uh, but then also, I see younger bands sounding much better. Like, they're just better. They just they sound much better. Yeah. Um. Uh. So yeah. Um. That, that's that's definitely been an interesting thing to observe. Of course, having those alcoholic vaudeville skills are also good things to have and I think it's a large part of why everyone's so into going to see old bands yeah did you did you I mean do you need to tour on this do you feel like you need to tour on it could you could you have just put out a record I mean I want to go play shows okay because before you sounded a little hesitant I did yeah moving moving amps and that was hungover Travis oh oh, no (laughs) (laughs) this is stuff for the record this is still hungover this is hungover I'll just talk when I'm hungover Travis I'll just talk like this um no, I very, I've really reconnected, and this might be also because church choir. I've really reconnected with my love of performance. Yeah. I, I really love, love getting people to look at me playing music. Yeah, <laughs> I like to have people look at me while I play music. That's great. Did you like the, those those the, the couple of reunion shows that you did? I saw saw one of the Bowery shows. Um, did you know? Did you not know that until you played the show? Like, was that? Did you have some kind of? Hes- did you have some he- hesitation around that? That you you didn't know if you'd enjoy it again? No, because I think that was why we did it. Yeah, I mean that was why I very uncomplicatedly said yes. Like the dismemberment plan takes everything one decision. At, we are the most myopic band. <laughs> one decision at a one mm. micro decision yeah. at a time, and um, no strat. We're terrible strategists and. Um, this time around, the Barsic was like, would you like to play shows? And we're like, yeah. And I can't really speak for why everyone else just went, yeah. But the reason I did was simply because I, I just wanted to get back up on the boards. Mm. So it wasn't it wasn't complicated. It was like, yeah. shows, yeah. So, no, I, I don't think so. Yeah. I think it was a pretty easy decision. Maybe a couple of years before that, it was much more kind of like eh, intellectual, rationalizing. Well, I mean, <laughs> most of the- that's the intellectual goat. <laughs> <laughs> most of the, you know, like I mean, that's the thing, right? You, t- you you hear people talk about reunion shows, and there's always this just like huge internal conflict about. Can you know? Can, can we revisit the old songs and all all those? Oh, do do bands have a? Are there bands that have a lot of internal conflict? I think so. Really? Yeah. Well, no, wait. Do you know so? Or you think so? Well, I, so I, that's I've external. Heard. Yeah. No, I'm projecting. Are you sure this isn't like when like sports writers say they must be crushed by this loss and they're like at home watching Breaking Bad DVDs and totally forgot about the game? Were you crushed by the loss of the band breaking up? <laughs> no, no, I mean that like... No, no, I know External saying. voices... No, no, I know what you're saying. Know external you're commentators saying. tend yeah. to think like, like, this has got to hurt, Bob. Okay. And, uh, you know what, what I mean? What, yeah, I guess, okay, what, you know, what about... What, I mean, okay, again, but, but if, I, no, if I'm projecting, but if I'm projecting, right? you know, if, if I'm putting myself in your shoes, I'm, I'm thinking about like, this is always my concern about something. Like, what if I throw a party and nobody comes, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I know what you mean about that. Um, but, I mean, obviously that wasn't like you sold out. You sold out like two nights at the Bowery. 
But remember, the evidence is in that I like a risky life. Okay. I chose this path. Sure. So To, to be a rock and roll singer? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think there was a time where my response, I think, to be fair, there was a time, I don't know, six years ago where I would have gone into some kind of intellectual loop-de-loop about whether or not it's a good idea. And that's just because it would have been because I wasn't like totally comfortable for it or had an appetite for it. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, I think that if nobody comes, you know, I, I don't know, I guess like, I'm just like a, not a risk averse person. Yeah. Um, like I'm 40, I'm still not particularly risk averse. It's probably pretty bad. Well, but I mean, again, I'm just the kind of person who wants to roll the dice and get like snake eyes or 12. I actually don't play crap, so I don't know what the good scores are. Snake Eyes is probably bad, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Snake in the Eyes name. Is bad. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's just the kind of person I am. So, yeah, I mean, it's thrilling. Like, oh, man, I hope the tickets sell. But, uh, you know, if they don't, it's like, okay, well, now we're doing this humiliating thing. Let's try it. But, but it's funny <laughs> to me that you say that you're a, a risk averse person because. Um, you know, when you compare yourself to a lot of other people in rock and roll bands, I mean, you you know, you've you've held down a steady office job. So, I mean, you know, you do. I'm not money averse, <laughs> but I mean, you know, you 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 know, you like the you like the risky lifestyle, but you've also been willing to kind of. Um... Well, I mean, I'm not risky. Yeah, I'm not money averse. I yeah. had to, I had I was broke. I had debts. I was desperate. Yeah. So, I mean. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go get the money when I have to get the money yeah. because I have no choice. Uh, but but again, like you know, five years of doing that isn't just a, oh I need some money right now. This is you, you know you were working a job for a while. Um. Well, I I I was in a lot of debt. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. And then and then it's also like well why I mean I'm I'm not risk averse but I'm not like. Eh. I'm just going to quit my job. I'm just going to yeah. quit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, that's like kind of non-secretor-ish. I had a job. I had to get out of debt. And then after a while, I was like, okay, well, this money, I mean, I can buy my music gear. Yeah. I don't really have any plans for major touring. I did that for 10 years. I needed a break anyway. Um, I'm definitely boredom adverse, and you can get really bored on the road if you're doing it long enough. It can start to kind of seem a little dull. Um, so... Yeah, you know, I think maybe sometimes uh, people see have a day job, not have a day job as a uh, as the um, as a paradigm, mm-hmm. as as the like as the, the true like polar opposite, the true barometer yeah. of everything that's happening yeah. in a musician's life. Has a day job, doesn't have sure. a day job, and um, yeah, you know, I mean. Um, uh, there's a lot more to it. It's a lot more complex equation as to whether or not you have a job. I mean, like, um, working in Huffington Post, when it was a startup, was incredibly exciting. Mm-hmm. It was um, it was the most exciting thing I had done um, since kind of like the mid-period of the plan where we really felt like we were playing on all cylinders. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I just want excitement. If I had to go outside of rock and roll to find excitement and money, then that's cool. Um and, and that's really all that matters. Yeah. Um, but I definitely find playing rock and roll exciting now, you know, going on stage exciting now. So I guess that's what it comes down to. It's not about like have a job bad. Yeah. Don't have a job good. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, you know, it, but I, I, it, it's kind of clear why people make that delineation in that you know it's it's you know if you're if you're an artist and you're working at a job you're working towards something else so that's the victory right that's a victory to people yeah that's a very common perception and that's a very very common disillusionment Hmm. very common you find out the job wasn't the problem yeah (laughs) Um, so yeah i know what you mean i know what you mean i remember very much very much thinking like i just want to not a day job like that seemed like the goal um and you really quickly find out yeah like once you're free of the day job like um you now have another job well i'm i'm you know i i'm i'm 
as somebody who's been doing that, who's been you know working a, a, a desk job for like a decade now, I'm, I'm just I'm, I, I can't figure out like I can't figure out how the fuck people fill their time if they're not doing that for eight to ten hours a day. You know, like what? Yeah. <laughs> how yeah. does a musician fill his day if there's, you're not on tour? Yeah, there's a very famous quote I believe is sourced from Ben Gibbard, although it might be from Craig Finn. <laughs> the, you know, the great philosophers of yeah, the great of philosophers age. of of of, of uh, man indie rock. Mm-hmm. That what you find out is what you it will take you all day to do what you would do in the car on the way to practice, mm-hmm. and um, that's that's absolutely true. Yeah. I mean, if I could do it all over again, I would have been playing with other musicians more. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just playing with the Dismemberment Plan, and that was a weird thing to do. Um, that was a little compulsive and maybe a little insecure. Um, I I wish I had sought out other music scenes, you know, broadened my horizons, yeah. started an, another band um, with other clowns who didn't have a day job. Um, side thing that that would be my big regret from the time because I think that if you're disciplined enough to um, say like, well, I I want to go learn more, I want to keep playing more. So I'm going to jam with this person, this person, this person, you know, today or something like that. You have a little bit more of a chance. You could yeah. still burn out, but you have a little bit more of a chance to fill that time productively as opposed to like just writing your song for eight, eight hours. Like no song wants to be looked at for eight hours. It's like a person. <laughs> Except for you with your eye contact oh, right, for the duration right, yeah, of the interview. Contact, if you um, stare at that song for eight hours, it's going to get seriously creeped out and not like you. Yeah. And you're not going to like it. You're not going to like it. Yeah. yeah. After a while, you're like, you know what? You got this, like, mole. <laughs> How long have you had that mole? So so is so is the choir, is that, I mean, is that your, is that like a side project? Is that something, is that fulfill that? Yeah, when I put together the side, the choir. <laughs> you're like polyphonic spree. Yeah. Yeah, it's project. one of them. It's one of my, it's yeah. one of my sources. It's because you my... were like, when, when you were mentioning, you know, the, the music that you've been making, you know, it was Hank Williams choir i mean it sounds like you're trying to do as many different things yeah i mean not consciously but you know i mean hank williams if you want to get together someone and drink beer sure and sing some songs hank williams is one of the only songwriters whose songs will withstand that kind sure. of you want to <laughs> have a good cry and yeah right right yeah um oh I, actually i think his songs are tons of fun i mean but we're not going to be able to like make our way through some stevie wonder changes sure you know uh so yeah yeah but i guess you know I'm a musician in the world. I like this. I like that. I'm a, I'm a simple man. So, 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 like this. This kind of leads me to ask you, like, how you're filling your days now. Um, I mean, obviously, like at the moment, it's yeah, <laughs> cleaning up, throwing parties at your uh, bubbles. <laughs> Bite him. No, but you know, like now, now, I mean, I, I, it's pretty clear, right? I mean, and you've you've got this, you've got these shows you're going to play, and you've got this album that's coming out. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm also doing this like internet startup, music okay. internet startup that takes up a lot of my time. Yeah, I have a job. I actually have a job, have a job but okay. it's my own my own company. Um, well, my, my well, I have a co-founder also yeah. named Travis. Uh, he and I have a company. It's confusing. Together, Travis and I. Yeah. Is, is the name a good play on the fact that you're both named Travis? No, there were jokes about calling it the TNT Music Factory. <laughs> but how about Travi? Yeah, yeah. People call us the Travi. That's that's a frequent, a frequent. The traveling. Yeah, the traveling. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So that that's like I spend a lot of time working on that. Yeah. Um. I'm I'm a pretty good prioritizer at this point in my life. Like, I'm pretty good with the focus. Um, like I keep like a little to-do list, and you know, um, uh, you know, and on there is write, write worldwide smash hit, <laughs> <laughs> and then there is renew Google Apps license, sure. you know. cure cancer, cure cancer, yeah. defrost turkey burgers. It's all about order. It's about priorities. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you know, you had, you mentioned earlier about how myopic you guys have been um so i feel like i know the answer to this question before i ask it um, blind but, blind baby but uh you know are, are are you thinking in terms of um i mean what you know I, I guess the question is like what does reunion mean i mean are, is it just like you're working on the album now and that's yeah, what that is and, i don't know what i tell everyone is a we're grown-ass men we're not dating anymore <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, we 
I feel my hangover surging back into my skull. Uh, As you answer this question for the tenth time today. With this one. Uh, Yeah, you know, we're not dating. We're not on the endless road trip. Um, We're adults. We take each other seriously as artists and as friends. And uh, we take it kind of song by song, album by album. And if there's more hot licks and we want to pursue it, we'll pursue it. But to contextualize it, these aren't the questions that anyone asks a jazz trio mm. after they've made a record, right? Yeah. Like, are you guys going to do another one? Like, well, I don't know. He's going on tour with the Bad Plus for a year. You know, uh, we've all, maybe, uh, you know, we've all got live. I'm cutting a thing of standards covers. Yeah. Um, that's how it is in the jazz world, you know, in the kind of the playeristic world. And I understand, like, part of what's so attractive about bands is that thing about how they're all dating, they're all young and dating, mm-hmm. and it's so sublimated and part of it. And um, that's not us anymore. Um, uh, it's very much more like that kind of dynamic I was talking about with jazz, where we come together for projects, and sure, maybe it'll maybe it'll happen again. Um, there are jazz lineups that stayed stable for a couple records, you know. Um, uh, uh, but you know, like them, we take it on kind of a artistic grounds. You know, if it's happening or not. If it's not happening, then no. Or if our lives get in the way, then no. But if the stars line up, we would say yes. But we'll have to kind of yeah. wait for the evidence. So you're you're myopic with a sense of maturity. You're <laughs> yeah. I got it's my, like a learned. My, I have my emotional bifocals on. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I was just like, you know, that thing. Uh, <laughs> you know, when people. Can't they like oh, this is a radio? What are we doing? No one will ever see what I'm doing. No, just never mind. Just stop. I'm doing a little dance, but you people can't see me. Yeah, yeah. For Brian, I'm dancing for Brian. Um. <laughs> so I mean, there were there were a lot of those like false starts in the, the intervening twelve years. No, no, not really. I mean, occasionally, yeah, there'd, there'd be occasional like we'd we'd be in the in the we'd be in that house, we'd be in Joe's yeah. place. There'd be some fucking around, and no, I think probably just being there and doing it and playing brought its own focus and brought its own uh, attention and color to it, and started to um, provided the kindling to get like a little fire going. Whereas before, you know, it was it was too scattershot. We just didn't feel it. We just weren't, yeah. We're in that place. What was the, what was the kindling precisely? I mean, what? Well, we were rehearsing for those shows, and those but but little... what? I guess what brought those shows together? Oh, Barsic was putting out a vinyl re-release mm. of Emergency and I, and and they asked us to play shows, and I think much to our surprise, we all said, "Uh huh, sure. Why, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't we do that? Like, what do you mean by why the surprise? <laughs> yeah. When have I ever said no to that? Yeah." <laughs> Crazy talk. Everything you've led me to believe <laughs> so far. Play, playing Gaslight with ourselves. Yeah. I, know, I was always – I wanted to play shows. I don't know. Oh, oh you guys like playing music in a yeah. band? <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah, that's how – I mean, it's probably so many artists. It's like, no, no, I can't. No, no, no. Okay. So you guys could have just pl- kept playing music together all these years if somebody had taken the initiative. Yeah, but it might have sucked. Oh. Our, our, our fifth record we were working on back in the day wasn't going very well. We weren't we weren't jamming, getting good stuff. We were playing every day, so it was excruciating. Mm. Um, so I mean, um, no, I mean you know, we never made that much money. I understand keeping a band that's low on magic going. It's like in that book that um, Dean Wareham wrote, and he was talking about like BMOF bands that have like eight figures of revenue a year, and he's like, you don't. You don't break those bands. Are you crazy? Yeah. I would never in a million... If my band was totally boring but made that kind of money, no way would we break up. No way. It's an industry, right? I mean, you've got people and pe- people, yeah. and people. you know, surviving on that. Yeah, you're playing Antarctica. You're doing yeah. TED Talks. You're like, you know... Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what band that all of the above applies. <laughs> I, can, I, I think... I think... I think an Anthony Kiedis TED Talk would just be so dope. Yeah. I, I, I love the guy. I love the guy. I think, I think he, um, I think he creeps people out in all the right ways. Yeah. Um, his uh, his memoir is really affecting. Actually, he's a really interesting guy. Really interesting background. Um, and I still I still play some. I'm just gonna toy out myself as a Chili Peppers fan right here on the podcast. See what happens. Um, 
But yeah, I don't know who that I don't know who that band is. But you know, when you're making that kind of money, yeah. like only a fool would would stop. But we never made that kind of money, so it's just all it was was the magic, really. You know, like if the magic there, it's not. If it's not there, it just stop. And know? and that's the first time it really felt forced. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know when else it would have happened. You know, yeah. we, were, we were only like thirty. We, we'd been playing in the band for ten. I, you know. I, it's not like it would have happened like you know it happened once in 1995 <laughs> you know like seven months into our band time we had a real dry spell there's a lot of despair you know and it, it didn't no it didn't really happen for good until um like a serious run of it until we were working yeah. on the last what would have been the last plan record in 2002 2003 you know easy easy to like everything else easy to assess in retrospect but you know at the time was it just like all right not fun anymore let's stop doing this thing we've been doing for so yeah, long yeah we were all pretty like everyone everyone i talked to is always like man you look, except for today everyone's like you look so much younger than you did then you so, look rough today man yeah i look, yeah, I look rough <laughs> as fuck today <laughs> So there you have it. That was Travis Morrison, uh, lead singer of the Dismemberment Plan, and, and weirdly enough, a, a former coworker of mine, uh, not uh, not too long ago at the Huffington Post. Uh, Dismemberment Plan are, are back together, or I guess you could say their hiatus has uh, has come to an end. They've got a new album out now, Uncanny Valley. They're touring on that, so go go buy records and see them live. Great band. Uh, thanks so much, Travis, for taking the time to do that. Uh, thanks to Brian, as always, for editing this together. Thanks thanks to Mark and everybody else at Boing Boing for hosting the show. Uh, thank you, the listener, for being a listener of the show. If you uh, if you liked what you heard, you can drop us a line. It's riylcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're over on the Tumblr. You can you can follow us there. It's riylcast.tumblr.com. And uh, rate us on iTunes. Could use uh, we could use some more stars. Uh, we uh, will be coming back next week. Got a lot of good shows lined up. Uh, uh, can't even begin to tell you how <laughs> super excited I am. Uh, so we uh, we we will be back uh, this time next week with another episode of R I Y L. 